Well, it's only mid-February, and this weekend we're having more February-like weather, uh, different from the winter that was not here among us. But the spring garden seed catalogs have been coming for quite some time now. For plant lovers, it's kind of like uh, October, November into December when all of those holiday gift catalogs flood our mailboxes. I love to look through these and daydream about all the wonderful vegetables and beautiful flowers that I could grow. Emphasis on the word daydream. Because although my wife June and I very much enjoy gardening, somehow our plants never look quite as good as the ones in the catalog. But we press on and have a good time with it. This year we may even be planting some kale. So if you don't know what that means, uh, that was part of uh, Pastor Campbell's message from last Sunday, so a little joke there. So there's an important truth in gardening, and that is uh, we can plant those seeds, providing as good an environment for them to grow in as we can. But when all is said and done, we can't make them grow. We can water, we can weed, we can fertilize, but it is above our pay grade to make them grow. That power belongs to the Lord God alone. And this same principle holds true in matters of faith. With that seed of faith, that is planted in us beginning in holy baptism. We celebrated a baptism at the eight o'clock service this morning. Doesn't always happen. Eight o'clock comes early on a Sunday morning. So to get your baby to be baptized and hustle off to church for the eight o'clock service, well, that takes some doing. But we did that. And that seed of faith was planted in Francis Louise this morning. Now we can provide the best possible environment for that seed of faith to grow, for it to flourish, but at the end of the day, it is the Lord God alone who can give that growth. And that is what Paul the Apostle is talking about in that epistle lesson for today where he writes, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And it is this passage from scripture that serves as the basis for today's message entitled Living Witness. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching, the hearing, and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Our four-week epiphany series, Serving Jesus, Living in Community, comes to a close this weekend. We've been, over these four weeks, reviewing the principles that flow out of Greg Finke's book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, that we've been implementing in the life and ministry of our congregation for four plus years now. And today we focus on two mission practices and their attending questions. It's the yellow wedge and the green wedge, talking with people and ministering through prayer and the questions that go with them. What kind of conversations are you having with people who do not know Jesus? And how can we minister to you through 
prayer. Both of these are examples of what it means to be a living witness for Jesus in daily life through how we live, because how we live is just as important, maybe even more important, as what we say. Actions speak louder than words. And it is the Lord Jesus who loves us, who laid down his life for us, who has given us a new birth through water and the word, who now calls us to follow him on his mission as he's out ahead of us in the mission field day by day. He calls us to show by what we do as well as by what we say that Jesus is Lord of our lives. We're gonna go back for a moment to the Old Testament lesson for today. There's an image of Moses standing up top the mountain looking out over that promised land which he himself would never enter. As God's people of old stood on the brink of entering into the promised land, Moses reiterated for all of them what the Lord God had done for them in delivering them from slavery in Egypt, in sustaining them through their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and now how the Lord God called them to live in relationship with him and with one another as his chosen people. The book of Deuteronomy is really a great big review session of all that God had already spoken to his people one more time before they actually go into the promised land. In fact, that's what the name Deuteronomy means. Deutero meaning two, like duo, and nomos, from the Greek language meaning law, second giving of the law, a review of that. And even though Moses himself did not enter into the promised land, Moses faithfully prepared God's people to enter it. And now, shortly before his death, Moses called upon God's people to make a decision Moses said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life, therefore, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in that land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And shortly thereafter, Moses died. Following his death, the history of God's chosen people is that they often chose death and curse, not blessing and life. They did not hold fast to the Lord. They did not obey his voice. And you know what? Neither do we. We are no better than they were. We too fail in that relationship with God and with one another. We are as guilty as they were. 
But God, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, sent one greater than Moses, who would deliver us, not from slavery in Egypt, from slavery to sin and slavery to self, slavery to death and destruction. God sent his own son to be the new Moses, if you will, who in his Sermon on the Mount, a portion of which is today's gospel lesson, Jesus went up on the mountain like Moses to teach. And so, Jesus did not come to abolish the law of Moses. He told us that in last Sunday's gospel lesson. He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. Rather than relaxing the demands of the law, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, Jesus expands those demands. Again and again, we hear in the gospel lesson for today, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said of old, but I say to you. You see, as the Son of God, Jesus is his own authority on the word of God. And because of this, he is able to say, I say to you. The law of Moses pointed to the one who would fulfill that law, and that is Jesus himself. So in that law, Jesus says, it's not just the external deeds that you do, it is the internal motivation of the heart that may never see the light of day that no one else may know about. It's not just the good we fail to do, it is the evil that we do. And so in spite of our best intentions to honor what God commands us and live according to that law, we come up short again and again. We know all too well that those things which Jesus identifies in the gospel lesson for today, anger, lust, sexual immorality, swearing of oaths when they are not needed. These things aren't just out there somewhere. They are in here. They reside within our own hearts. And this is why we do what we do when we come to the Lord's Supper. As we did at the outset of the service this morning, we come clean before God. We confess our sins, that we are indeed sinful and unclean because we have indeed sinned in thought, in word, in deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Sins of commission, sins of omission. This is the reality of our life. So when all is said and done, our hope is not in ourselves and in our own best intentions, however noble that may be, to somehow set things right. 
Our hope is in Jesus alone, who lived that life of perfect obedience to the Father's will, who fulfilled all the demands of the law in our behalf. Our hope is in Jesus, who bore in his own body on the tree of the cross the penalty for our sin and disobedience of anger, of lust, of sexual immorality, and everything else that separates us from God and from one another. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, this is the good news that sets us free. And this is the good news that we bring to the world. We plant gospel seeds about Jesus and what he has done through our words and through our actions each day as we go about our callings at home, at work, at school, wherever we may be. And so we are Jesus witnesses, sometimes even in the midst of a rainstorm, helping out by giving shelter under an umbrella. You know, the more I go along in life, the more I realize how much I do not know. It's truth. But what I do know is this. Nobody is ever argued or shouted or shamed into the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't work that way. Our living witness to Jesus' love gradually becomes noticeable to people in our lives. They see something about us as the people of God that's different. We conduct ourselves differently than the rest of the world. They know we're not perfect, of course, but they begin to see and to experience the light and the love of Jesus through what we say, through what we do, by how we live our lives, and that is an attractive thing. As we get to know the people in our neighborhoods, or at the coffee shop, or the gym, or the workplace, we get to know them, who they are, their hopes, their needs, their fears, and what we can do to help them. We discover how we can be Christ to our neighbor. As Luther once wisely said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Very true. And so this is where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, where we become the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus to do good in Jesus' name to our neighbors. And this comes about through conversation, not just an isolated one-time talk, but lots of conversation over a long period. We establish relationships with people. We care about them, not as a project, but as people. 
My go-to verse in all of this comes from the Apostle Peter, who writes, 1 Peter 3, 15, In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, always being ready to make a defense, to give testimony to anyone who asks you about the hope that is within you, doing this with gentleness and respect. And if ever there were a time when gentleness and respect were needed in our culture, my friends, it is now. Catherine Hankey, maybe not familiar to you, is a woman who lived uh, mostly in the 19th century, a decade or so into the 20th century. She was the daughter of a wealthy English banker, grew up in the Anglican Church in England. She was an active Christian woman who established Sunday schools for rich and poor alike all over the city of London, and these bore tremendous fruit, were a tremendous blessing to the population of London with lots of young people who, because of these Sunday schools, themselves became active Christian workers. But when she was about 30 years old, year 1864, Catherine Hankey uh, experienced a serious illness which required a long period of recovery. And in the midst of that, she wrote a lengthy poem on the life of Christ. And that poem consisted of two main sections, each with 50-5-0 verses. A long poem. And the first section was called The Story Wanted, and the second section became known as The Story Told written in 1864, and it is this second section of the poem that became the basis for the hymn that we are about to sing. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. And that's exactly what you and I and all of God's people are called to do as Jesus living witnesses tell the story through our words through our deeds tell that old old story of jesus and his love may god help us to do this for jesus sake amen